Welcome to the Fraternity of Golf podcast. I'm Stephen Walsh. And I'm Marty Carr. And today we're talking to some of the great characters in Irish golf. We're back with uh, episode two from the Fraternity of Golf podcast. And today we're talking about the characters in Irish golf. Marty, it's great to be back. Who have we got with us today? So first of all, we have John Sugru, who is the starter Tralee Golf Club. And as you know, the start is a very, a very interesting uh, role. It's the first experience they get when they hit the first tee. It's the intro to the golf course. But he also gets to see a lot of different people arriving at a lot of different times of day. Um, and uh, John has got some great stories. Uh, John um, uh, replaced Eugene, who was the famous caddy master at Tralee, uh, in 2015, and has been a great friend of Cargolf. Um, next up, we have Paddy Brazel. Paddy Brazel got involved in the old head in 1997 when it was first uh, opened. And um, funnily enough, he tells a great story about how he first got involved by meeting my dad leaning against a gate when they were designing the course. And both Danny and Mike, his sons, uh, are basically working with the O'Connor family in running the operation down there now. So a great story uh, there. Uh, next up, we have David Farrell, uh, who is a, I'm told he's a brought in and not a blow in into the Southwest. <laughs> because you need to be brought in, otherwise you're a blow in. And David runs the famous Dooley's Restaurant in Waterville, uh, which looks after all the golfers that travel down to play the Waterville Golf Links, the famed Waterville Golf Links, one of our all-time favourites, and also Hogshead. Uh, so Dooley, tell us a, a few yarns. And finally, we have uh, Senan Murray, who is uh, known as the Badger. Uh, due to his hairstyle, uh, and Senan has been hosting and and looking after customers uh, on the road uh, for 25 years. So we've got these characters along with yourself and myself, and we're going to take a journey through some of the stories across the years to really get into what is involved in the experience on the ground. So uh, I think it's going to be a bit of fun. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, plenty of good stories amongst the six of us. So I look forward to look forward to letting it roll. John, will you kick us off? Give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself. John Chukru is my name. Uh, I grew up playing my golf in Killarney Golf Club and I started there as a caddy at the age of 13. And um, I was a keen golfer and turned pro and eventually made my way to Tralee Golf Club in 2003. So I started there just prior to the start of the season uh, in the pro shop as assistant golf professional. And a number of years ago, then, uh, that great character, Eugene O'Callaghan, retired and I took over his role as caddy master. It was a big shoes to follow. Yeah. <laughs> big size 16s. <laughs> big boats. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was, he was a great character, Eugene. He was, uh, I was only chatting to him, actually, a couple of nights ago. I was telling him I was doing this podcast. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, Jesus, um, he said, Joe Carr, in the early years, he had, uh, he had a big influence on, on Tralee Golf Club selecting Aaron Palmer as the course designer. And uh, he, I don't know if you knew this, Marty, but he used to come down on business to Tralee. And um, he'd stay here in town and he'd play the old golf course, which was Montauk. It was lovely 18 hole golf course and just in the outskirts of town. Yeah. And uh, we'll say the late 70s, early 80s, they were knocking around the idea to, they found this beautiful piece of Lincoln land out in Barrow. And they were, uh, they, they asked Joe for his advice. And uh, he said, well, when, when he was asked, who, who would you design the course? He said, well, if you've got all, if you've got all the top, top professionals in the world in a room, and if you've got a group of amateurs, who would they want to go chat to? And the answer was unanimous. Arnold Palmer, the king. So um, that's that's how he kind of planted the seed for them to chase Arnold Palmer. And uh, they took off down that route. And the rest is history. So the car name has, uh, has been uh, synonymous with uh, Tralee Golf Club from the very start. My brother, my brother Roddy tells a great story about that. Roddy was working for IMG in the States at the time. So obviously they decided to give Arnie a go. And he gets a call from the captain at the time or whoever was driving the boat. And uh, he gets a call. But he says, hey, this is, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, captain Tralee Golf Club here. He says, um, 
We want Arnold Palmer to come over and design a golf course for us here in, in Barrow. I don't know, what, what year was that? That was uh, 84. So he, he was coming over in the early 80s, 82. Overlooking downtown Cleveland. And Ronnie goes, well, Jesus, Arnie, Arnie charges a lot of money. I mean, that could be a lot of money. Never mind. Bring him on over. We want Arnie. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a funnier story that uh, when Arnie came over the first time, Roddy came over with him and uh, they were they were driving down the, the field at the time, but it, they were driving down the first fairway it is now. And um, there was two cars and there was a gent called Michael O'Brien who was very popular. He was the manager at the time. He was driving Arnie. And he had Ed C, who was his chief designer in the back seat. And of course, Michael, Roddy was in front. Michael was behind with Palmer. He was pointing out the, the hills in the back nine and this and that. And uh, Roddy hit the brakes. Michael jammed straight into the back of uh, of Roddy. So there was there was a car crash down the first fairway. <laughs> <laughs> That was, the, that was the first car crash we had uh, down the first fairway in Chile. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, so. Paddy Brazel, tell us how you got involved with uh, with the old head. How did that come about? Okay, um, my wife Kate and I had a, a mobile home down by Garrethorn Beach in the early 90s. And um, one sunny June day in 95, we decided to take a walk to the old head. I knew the golf course was being developed. So we went for a walk and um, approaching the lighthouse, there used to be an old angle iron gate there across the road on the last bend on the way up. And this man was leaning with his elbows on the gate. And as I approached, I recognized him as JB. And I said, hello, Mr. Carr. And um, I think he was a bit surprised that um, he was recognized out there. So, we got chatting anyway, and um, as it happened, I had I had worked with a great friend of his, um, the late Bill Kelleher from Douglas, who won the South of Ireland in 1964 and would have played internationally with Joe. So after maybe half an hour's chat anyway, Joe said, God, he said, Paddy, you should become involved here. So I said, what do you mean, Mr. Carr? Well, he said, when this course opens for play, they're going to be looking for people like you to... Um, to come in and do a little bit of work here. So um, along came John O'Connor then, the, the great man John O'Connor said alone. The following, the following year, 96, I started taking the three lads. Danny was 15 at the time, going on 16. Mike was um, 12 and our youngest Fenbar was only 11. So I brought them out picking stones off the fairways where we used to um, to meet with a group of lads and we'd throw a long rope across the fairway, um, take some buckets and pick stones and take the stones to the side and drop them for, to be collected by a gator later on. So um, that's how I got involved in Old Head. And um, the story went on from there. I was, I was, I was lucky. Um, I had a second life, really, which I really enjoyed because I'm... Uh, as you probably know, Danny and Mike are both working there. Um, Danny, when he did his leaving cert, didn't feel interested in going to third level. So um, one day, Kate and I took him to a career guidance counsellor there in Clannacilty, and he interviewed Danny. And after 15 minutes, he asked Danny to leave the room. And um, he said to us, look, he said, this guy is only interested in talking about golf, I think he should follow that line. And um, that'll be 50 quid, please. So I, I, gave him the 50, I gave him the 50 quid, but thinking back, it was the best 50 quid I ever spent. <laughs> then when the course opened for play, um, we were down there one Friday evening picking stones, and John O'Connor called Danny and myself to carry for a couple of Americans. Um, they were the first two Americans to play the old head. One, Kenny Harrison, who actually passed away year before last, and his friend, Timmy Higgins. They were from Mawa, Northern Jersey. Um, we carried for nine holes with them. And um, there was another guy, a fellow called Chris Walford. He was from the Wisley. 
and he had come across to advise John O'Connor on membership. But um, I don't think that went the way it was, he expected it to go, anyway, because I never saw Chris again. But um, the the two Americans asked us if we would carry for them the following morning. So um, we said, yes, of course. Will you take our clubs home and clean them? Yes, definitely. We'll meet you so at 8.30 in the morning. So Danny and I were at the old head gate at 8 o'clock in the morning. Gate was locked. No sign of any Americans, no sign of anyone. So about 9.30, a greenkeeper arrives and opened the gate. What are you doing, boys? Waiting for two Americans. All right, okay. So um, Kenny and Tim arrived half an hour afterwards. Uh, a little bit the worse for weather. So um, we proceeded to carry for them for 18 holes. So that was that was the start of the story. Uh, brilliant. Amazing. And, and um, as I say, I was privileged to grow old there with them, the three lads, because um, they started carrying us as very small kids. Yeah. And it's it's great that um, they got they got that chance to follow the dream. And it was great for me that I could grow old with them and watch them. That's so great. I have, I have a lot to thank the old head for. Fantastic. All right, Simon, you give us a little bit of background to yourself and we'll leave David to last. I hear we're going to need subtitles for David. <laughs> That's <laughs> very nice, Stephen. Very nice to see all the familiar faces. Hi, Simon. Um, and looking, looking here, I, I see the connection with specific golf courses, you know, the Tralees, the Waterfalls, Paddy with the old head. I'd be very much connected with all the golf courses throughout the island. Firstly, my name is Selin, Selin Murray, Tipperary man. Exiled down to County Kerry. Yeah, the Badger. Exiled down to County Kerry for the last 15 years. And um, very much feel part of the golfing fraternity or family on the island of the of Ireland. Um, it's amazing. You get you get to see these people come through this magical door in the airport and you get to start this journey with them for a week to 10 days, it could be five days. And you, you complete the whole thing. You're, you're from start to finish until they disappear back in through the doors in the airport, you're with them. And you get to go down. When Paddy was on, on the tea box there down in Old Head, you'd give them the heads up about Paddy and Paddy would give them the history to the course and the connection with the Cargoff family. Um, the, the emblems, the stone of a card. You're heading for um, Tralee, one of my very fond memories of one of the many times I've been in Tralee is I was coming out through uh, the spa one day, heading up for Barrow, and I had two gentlemen on the bus who had become overseas members of Tralee, but they had never been to Tralee Golf Course. And to sit up front and to see the enthusiasm, they'd come up the front of the bus and they'd sit behind you and they'd be talking to you about it. And the, the excitement and the enthusiasm and the disbelief from my side to say that these guys have committed to becoming overseas members to Tralee, which is only across the bay here for me. And uh, it, it, it makes a fabulous connection for me in terms of the distance that these golf courses travel throughout the world. It's the same with Waterville. They're all very, very special. You know, you play Waterville because their buddy played Waterville or they come to Old Head because they've heard about it. But these are locations that aren't chosen by people or the proximity to interstates or parkways. These are all chosen by Mother Nature. Same with Old Head. You couldn't replicate Old Head anywhere. And even if you go up to Portrush, uh, Newcastle, the Royal County Down, the courses in Donegal, the courses over in County Mayo, the courses around Dublin Marty, they're all built by Mother Nature. It's something that nobody can replicate because we have exclusively to ourselves. And it makes for an amazing connection with these people coming over. You know, the, I often get the you know the, the question, Senator, what's the deal with the roads? And I always say the worse the roads are getting, the closer we are to the golf courses. There's no coffee shops, there's no super malls, there's no ATMs. As John, you've come across it, they get to, to Tralee and they go, where's the ATM? So, you know, we, we learn, we, we evolve with it and we get them to be prepared that these courses are in remote, remote locations. And because of that reason, it's, it's, it's something special. What I find about it, is it levels the playing field for everybody. They come out of into the arrivals hall in the airport. Their business suit, what they are, their position in the company is all taken away. 
everybody's working out of their 14 club bag and uh, it's all about the trip around Ireland. The work that people put into it, even the clubs around Dublin, especially with Marty too, the work that he puts into the clubs, it's it's a credit to everybody. It's just not, it's grassroots to the, the lads that pick up the caddies to pick up the bags. The lads, David, like, like David there, that takes care of them at the end of the night. David, give us give us a little. Last but not least. Last but certainly not least. Stephen, I'll tell you one thing. As I say about fine wine, you're not saving the best to last this time, my friend. You've done a mistake <laughs> this time, that's for sure. Anyway, I'm David Farrell. I'm uh, originally from a small little village in called Colleville. Uh, just on the border between Monaghan and Armagh. I moved to the town when I was 11. I guess you, know where, the town, you know where the town is. So, uh, and then uh, uh, from there, I moved to New York, or Florida first, New York, and then finally back here to this lovely village of Waterville, County Kerry. Married to Katie, my lovely wife. We have four children, two stepsons and two little girls. Marty knows well the twins. And that's, for me personally, that's my sum up. As, as we said, and a few of the lads have touched on it already, is, you know, everyone who's on this chat, we're all in the hospitality section. We take care of people. We're, we're all giving the best of what Irish people have. So you play a huge role in that, especially yeah. like down in, down in the Waterville area. Well, again, going back to how I got my first experience with, with golf was as a young guy above in Dundalk, coming from a council estate on the north end of town, Golf clubs were something that you've seen uh, uh, on television and black and white, or maybe in, in my own house. But uh, I started playing golf, and I had a good friend called John Daly. By coincidence, he's not the same John Daly, obviously, but his father was the uh, was the president of Green Oak Golf Club, which is a fantastic little uh, golf course up there in County Loud. You might have played it, Stephen. It's out yeah. there just uh, in Carlingford, and that's 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 how I originated uh, and and started playing golf. And then it just went on then from when I went to New York, I didn't play too much of it. You know, I, I went to a lot of it. I, got, I, got, I, got, I was lucky enough to, have a, to work in a very famous steakhouse over there called Smith and Walensky's. So I got to know quite a few famous people. So, I mean, I've, I, mean I, I, I've, I was at Bed Page for the 2002. Uh, I was talking to Harrington there actually uh, on the Saturday evening after he had a bad round on the Saturday when he played with Tiger on the Saturday. I was talking to him that evening because I was in the Bud tent and I was the, probably the last man to leave the Budweiser tent, you know. But anyway, surprise, it, surprise. Was, it, was, it was fun times. So then I, uh, I eventually met my wife on uh, Queen's Boulevard one day outside Maggie Mays. Stephen, have you, have you met Maggie Mays yet? Yeah. Outside, yeah. outside Maggie Mays. And then uh, I ended up moving home. And it's amazing when I moved home, I moved here. And uh, of course, at the time, golf was really, it was before it was before the crash, it was really booming. One of the golf things was closed out to membership, you couldn't join it. I, uh, there was a, 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 friend of, a friend of my wife's husband who, who told me, you'll never get into one of the golf things, they're never going to open it again. So I said, gee, so I joined Skellig Bay, which is now Hog's Head, you know. Uh, uh, back to John O'Connor, it was him. It's it's John's probably the main reason why 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 Skelling Spear got developed into in, into Hogshead. But I eventually, one of the golf links opened up for membership, and it was a local. I won't mention any names, there, but a local very professional woman told me, "Do not join it yet. Wait a while. Uh, they'll bring the price down." She, I think she told me this on the Monday. On Tuesday morning, I was first man at the window with my money to join the cufflinks. <laughs> and I have to say, it doesn't owe me a penny. I, 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 I've actually, it has, I have played it more than anyone that, that has moved to the area in the last 12 years. So uh, from there, I got to know, I got to know the, the, the owners of, of, of the cufflinks. Uh, I got involved, they started inviting me to play in the, in, in the member guests. I have a great affiliation with a, a lot of New York members. That knew me from Smith and Walensky's. I got to know the team from Cow Golf. Marty started bringing a few of them down into Dooley's. And, and then I got to know Selen very well down through the years. Selen always a, always a great, uh, uh, always great for me as, as regards bringing his clients uh, into the restaurant. And that's, that's me in a nutshell. You know what I mean? Yeah, brilliant. So just staying, staying with you, David, for a second. What, what does your day look like? Hey, what does your, like in high season, in the middle of summer, when the place is full of golfers, what does your 
your regular day look like? Well, for myself personally, myself and Katie, we have t- we we have two restaurants. Sennan, of course, knows both of them very well. Being being a being being a driver, we have the Scarafin and Cahar Daniel, which is predominantly would be ninety percent a, a coach business. So our business would would go from ten in the morning. The real busy times would be from ten for coffee buses. You have a lot of coffee buses. People wouldn't know it. That go round the ring of Kerry. They'd be leaving Killarney in the morning, and they'd, they'd, they'd have stuff organised, or they maybe maybe they're maybe they're moving from Killarney to another city or town. So they'd just be doing the ring as a coffee as a coffee run. So I'd be out in the scour from about nine thirty. I'd leave the scour at half past two, and then I'd be down into Dooley's for a few minutes, home to the house. See the kids, blah blah blah, and then getting ready then for five o'clock on for duties for the for the for the busy evening evening shift. You know the long days, but I'd rather them days than the days I'm having right now. I can tell you, I'm not saying talking yeah. to you guys. I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking about COVID, obviously. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. do you manage? To, how do you manage to squeeze in the five rounds a week that you play? Well, Marty, it's quite amazing. I actually and my wife actually <laughs> believes this. And she actually does believe it, and it's fantastic. She believes it's networking. Yeah. You know, so if I go, if I go on golfing, I'm actually going networking. I'm going, you yeah. know. That's it's hard, in fairness, it's very, it's very hard with the guys you're playing golf with to go and eat anywhere else, isn't it? Well, you, I mean, I'd be hearing whispers behind me when I'm playing golf, and sometimes I turn around and I go, lads, it's okay. You were in there the last two nights. You can go somewhere else. There is other <laughs> fine restaurants in the locality. <laughs> I don't begrudge anyone. I'm not like yeah, that, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were there. You were there the day Paddy, myself, and Roddy arrived with Arnie. Do you remember that day? I was indeed. Yeah, I had met Arnie actually um, 18 years ago on this day. I was at Bay wow. Hill. I was at the Bay Hill in 2003. The second day. It was torrential downpour. Clay was suspended. I spent most of the day around the clubhouse in the academy with John O'Leary's dad. You know John O'Leary, the director of golf at the academy. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. Well, I stayed with his dad and his late mum, Sally, in in a place called Tuscarawilla for a week, and went to Bay Hill each day. But I had the great pleasure of meeting Mr. Palmer, been introduced to him. But I was really delighted when he when you did bring him to Old Head. And um, had my photograph taken with him, which is behind me there, at the at the stone of a cord. That's hands right. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and he came into my starter's hut, signed some books for me, chatted for a few minutes, and uh, as he was leaving, I said, "Mr. Palmer, how's your game?" And he put his left hand around my shoulder, and leaned into me. He says, "Paddy." My game is such that when I hit it, I can hear it fall. <laughs> Which I think was a lovely, a lovely quote. I, I, I have very fond memories of that day, uh, Paddy. It was, it was obviously a very proud moment for myself and Roddy to arrive down when Arnie was playing the old head for the first time with JB's involvement, and they knew each other very well. And two quick stories. One was we met him outside the Perryville house. We, we went up to the golf club with them and it took him about an hour and a half to get from the golf club down to the first tee because of all the photographs and the handshakes. He What an amazing man. And his wife, Kate, walked around with us. So we stand on the first tee and uh, my brother, Roddy, says, OK, Arnie, what's the bet? And he goes, well, what, what do you think? And he goes, 50, 50, 50. And Arnie goes, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm an old man. And my brother, Roddy, goes, he says, well, Arnie, he said, remember all those practice rounds of the majors when you... Took a lot of money off my dad. He said, we were on beans and toast for months afterwards. He says, I'm here to get it all back. <laughs> and we were coming down the ninth and there was a squall coming in. And uh, uh, we looked at uh, Mr. Palmer and said to Mr. Palmer, do you want to want to watch the Open or do you want to play on? And he goes, I fancy some Guinness and oysters. So we went in and spent the <laughs> afternoon watching the golf. He was the most amazing man. Anyway, another quick story later on that day. We're down into Kinsale Village and uh, he's got the sweater over his shoulder and he's walking around the town and he goes into the butcher shop and he's chatting at the butcher and pointing at the meats and asking questions. <clears throat> and he comes out and Peter Keery says to him, would you, like a, would you like a 99? And he goes, what's that? He goes, so Peter brings him into a little ice cream shop and they get a 99. And he's standing outside with the 
sweater over his shoulder, eating a 99, a beautiful sunny day in Kinsale. And this fellow walks out of a pub across the road. He's been on the piss all day, comes out for a smoke, and you can see him squinting. He's obviously been in the darkness. And he's having a smoke, and he, he looks across the road, and he, he Jesus, he, he sees, obviously, Arnie, and he, he can't believe his eyes. So he walks out the road, nearly gets run down by a tour bus. Anyway, he makes it across the road, and he goes, are you who I think you are? And Arnie's there with the ice cream, and he goes, well, who do you think I am? And he goes, Arnold fucking Palmer. <laughs> he said, yeah, that's me, that's me. Anyway, uh, Peter got a photograph and sent it on to me. Anyway, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was an amazing, uh, and then I think Peter took him off for a drive around West Cork and they stopped off in a little pub. He liked his little pints and his glasses. And the owner of the bar ended up bringing down a print and he said, uh, I, I know you, I know you uh, do a lot of auctions for charity. And he gave him a, a bit of a painting, I think it was, and just handed it over the counter. So he was an amazing man, Paddy. He was, oh, he was, he was the king, really. Oh, he sure was. He sure was. There'll never be another one. Never be another one. Moving on. So obviously we have, I'm sure between the six lads here, there's an unlimited amount of stories and laughs. And so if maybe we try and pick out one or two, what's your favorite memory of working in the golf industry in Ireland and especially dealing with the likes of the American golf groups that come over on trips? And any relationships that you've built as well with with Americans, I'm sure you've built lifelong friendships because of because of this industry. So, if uh, John, you probably give us a give us a little story. I'm sure you have a good a good story oh, to come back yeah, to mind. There's, there's a lot, but um, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> but just getting back to it, would say my day would normally start. I'd get into the golf club about half six in the morning. And our first visitors would arrive at half seven. And uh, so some of my best memories, I'm dealing with the caddies. So I get in first, open the clubhouse, turn on the lights, make sure everything is clean and tidy and the caddies start rolling in then to get ready for the jobs. But you, there's some amazing, I've seen them and, and, and hanging around the tuck shop there from morning to late at night. It, you just you hear incidents that happened the day before and stories from you know years gone by, but um, again we've we've had some great caddies over, over the years and truly great characters or or wind and distance consultants as they like to be called down here. And there's a great story I don't know whether you remember this, Marty. A number of years ago, you brought over uh, Jennifer Mills from the Golf Channel. Yes, I do. And, Roddy was over. He played with them the same day, but they were filming down at the third tee box. And uh, two of our, our long-standing great characters were on the bags that day. We had ducks and the pot of jam were out with them. And uh, Marty referred to the boys as caddies and ducks as quick as a wind corrected him. He said, we're not caddies, we're wind and distance consultants. And with that, he pulled he pulled his business card out of his pocket, gave it to, to Roddy. And of course, Roddy nearly fell into the ocean laughing. I remember this, but, that. Yeah. But, I remember that vividly. Yeah, but um, then you have uh, with, uh, with the, the silver fox, Donny Hulham, another great character. He was, uh, there's a photo of him behind the, the bar. When I got the bar off first, there was a fox that used to come down from the back now. And you could feel the fox would eat out of their hands. But um, Donny, somebody took a photo of Donny feeding the fox. And it's in it's in the bar framed. And the caption is, one fox caring for another. But who's the cuter fox? <laughs> <And again, laughs> Donny, he was one of the great, the great storytellers. Amazing. And uh, one, again, almost famous caddy then would be Chucky. And... Uh, I think anybody who met Chucky over the years were, were you know, they, you have so many people coming back to Tralee that are still reminiscing about him and telling stories. Unfortunately, he passed away there back in 2016, but um, he carried for Palmer at the time. Palmer came over in 2001 for an exhibition match. And there was a great, there was a great scene in the locker room afterwards. They had their showers. Arnie and Chucky were in their underwear and Arnie sang the Rose of Tralee for him. So, and uh, <laughs> as as time went on, then of course when Chucky couldn't carry bags anymore, 
he um he he graduated to course ranger and uh, to quote Brian O'Donoghue, the driver who we all know, Brian used to always say that Chucky was the 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 only course ranger in the world that would slow down play because to, to Chucky to Chucky golf was secondary. All he wanted to make sure was everybody was enjoying themselves out there in the day. And um, one of his favourite jobs would be to to drive golfers up the, the hill on the 11th. As you know, the 11th hole is a long par five. You hit your second shot up the up the hill onto a flat level, which is known as Palmer's Peak. But Chucky, if there was anybody who was struggling, an older golfer, he Chucky would give them a spin up and his his course ranger buggy. And of course, when you got to the top, then you had to to sing a couple of verses of the Rose of Tralee or maybe how are things in Black Amara? That was another favourite of his. You know, amazing, amazing. But we, I, I suppose. Then you had uh, we have the electric leprechaun Morris that uh, people are still still talking about. Um, it's amazing, amazing caddies. Is it an area whereby you're going to see less and less of these characters, John? I mean, are are, are like are caddies becoming a a kind of a, a, a scarcer kind of a, a a role given the seasonality and given the challenges of it? Um, do you know what? In down in down in Tralee, it's such a big part of the, the the experience that we we try to encourage it and hold on to it. So we've all our caddies are members. They're all golfers the themselves. Um, they have great pride in the course. They want golfers when they come to enjoy the experience. Um, so again, I don't know. I hate to see golf buggies. You have to see a few golf buggies to get uh, golf you know, older golfers and or golfers with ailments going around. But where you can, I think uh, the caddy really, you know, enhances the experience. And we've golfers coming back from 20, 30 years ago talking about an experience with Chucky or the Fox or the Pot of Jam or Ducks. You know, it, it, it's the phenomenal. Uh, you were asking me about golfers coming through an experience sin and just reminded me of a story there which the caddies always talk about uh, that uh, the, the closer you get to golf courses the, the narrower the roads get we used to have Tip, Tip O'Neill used to arrive in the early years before my time but he was the, the obviously the speaker in the, the, the house but um, the, the caddies always credit Tip O'Neill for widening the road coming up to the clubhouse because he used to he used to arrive in this big hire Mercedes and uh, of course, he'd arrive into the car park with twigs and branches hanging off either side of the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with um, Bill Bill Murray arrived one time. Um, he played a couple of times. He loved the golf course. And uh, uh, Eugene, who was the starter at the time, uh, bet him on the first tee. He said, "Listen, if you par number twelve, the index one, will uh, I'll buy you a few pints afterwards." And uh, uh, Eugene took off home, talked no more about it until the phone rang and uh, the wife answered the phone. He said, she said, there's, there's a, an American on the phone for you, Eugene. And Eugene picked it up and on the other line, hey, Eugene, this is Bill Murray, I parred number 12. If you don't get out and have pints on the counter, I'm going to break every window in the clubhouse. <laughs> so Eugene had to hightail it out, out to the, back out to the clubhouse and... Uh, they had a great night. He got stung for a few rounds again, a few points again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a great story! Yeah, just I suppose you you build up some some great relationships as you were asking. Um, a number of years, a few years ago, I'd only taken over the job a wet week, and um, Carol uh, 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 O'Mahony, he's uh, a native of Lahinch. He's living over in New York. He brought over 16 bodies of his, 16 New Yorkers. So we got them all organised and they took off down the first fairway. And in the fifth hole, one of the one of the boys got a belt of a golf ball in the head. One of their group hit a rescue wood, snap hooked it, hit him in the head. And uh, he was unconscious for a bit. So um, we, of course, as you as you can tell, there was there was pandemonium. So I got down there. We well, I got him into my car and. I spent about five hours inside in the emergency room in Tralee with him and we, we got each other's life stories. And as I say, I was only 
we've we've been friends friends ever since. I only got off the phone with him about two weeks ago. Um, Randy Smith, he's he's over in New York there now, but uh, he's he's no headaches. Thanks be to God. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. That's that's what's so good about about Ireland. It's just they just everyone feels so welcome. That's the big selling point of Ireland, I think, is just the people. They just want you. They want to make you welcome, and it's something that. Obviously, America, they are, they're big into the service level and they're big into, like, it's very high-end service level, where when you go to Ireland, it's just natural. We're just, we're just welcoming people, I think, and that's what, that's what they love. That's like the caddies. They all request caddies. They won't go play somewhere in Ireland without a caddy because not to show them around or not to tell them how to play the golf course, just to have a laugh and to, to have the crack with them. I, I would agree with you, Stephen. I think I think the caddy experience, like I mean, I wouldn't take a caddy day in, day out, right? It's not like in America whereby the clubs you support the caddy programs and like Port Marnock wouldn't wouldn't take caddies day in, day out. But if I was going off to play somewhere like, you know, one of the top course experience that I wouldn't play on a regular basis, like a port rush or whatever, to have somebody carry your bag and to guide you around the golf course and to tell you some of the history and the nuances of the golf course, I mean it it just it just multiplies the experience, you know, by multiple. You know, I mean, I I find it's a, a huge enhancer. That actually relates to even me going stateside. You know, when you go yeah. stateside to play golf, I know we're getting away from our team, but if you go stateside to play golf and you go to these great courses, which we, we most of us do on on occasion, you want a caddy. You know what I mean? I I take a caddy all the time in America. I, I, I tell you a great story about the caddy in America. Now, if, if, I know we're getting off the Irish team, but I bet you they can't understand a word you say, though, Dooley. Over. But anyway, in 2016, we've I've a gang of friends from uh, New York. Stephen probably has got to know them now over the last few last few years. Uh, uh, Johnny Kennedy, Long Hall, and uh, Michael McNamee. He went to a few pubs there, but every four or five years we do we, we do a proper trip to the states. So in 2016, we went to Scottsdale. Arizona, a nightmare trip for me now, 23 and a half hours to get there from, from, from Shannon. It was a disaster trip for me. But when I got there, it was great. But on the, I think it was a Friday, we were, it was the Friday after the TPC at, at, a, at a Scottsdale. So all the stands were up and everything else. So myself, Marco, Johnny, and this American guy that we never met before because one of the boys missed the flight. So to make up the the two footballs, I guess this lovely guy, what a great guy this guy was. But we got this caddy called Wally, his name was. Okay, married four times, sorry, divorced four times, but married for, divorced three times, married four times. But we're playing the 17th, he knew everything, he knew where Tiger's Rock was. He, he told us at one point, I said, Wally, stop telling me stories about every hole on the course. Okay, but he was an extremely, extremely funny guy. So we're up on the 17th, as you know, the 17th is a short, short enough par four at the TPC. So yeah. Johnny's just off the green to the right. So he's just, this, this, the pin is back left, just before the, the water. Johnny's hitting this little pitching wedge. Of course, while he's standing on the green, Johnny skulls it. So the pro V is coming across the green. He just, I go, Wally! He goes, stop that! So the ball runs between Wally's legs. Wally turns round, takes after the ball, gone disappears right <laughs> when he got to the back of the green there's a slope he couldn't stop he went down straight into the water disappeared out of sight we had a fishing mouth on one side Marcus the other side we're fishing this guy out of the water we eventually get him out of the water he's drenched he takes out his phone he's drained the phone his pin seeker he's drained the pin seeker I'm up in the green I got about a 15 foot putt for boarding no one laughed at that one. Anyway, I got about a 15-foot putt for Bordy. The only time we had a 15-foot for Bordy. I know, right, Stephen? Thank you. Anyway, John. Anyway, Wally appears in front of me, and he starts giving me a lane. I'm going, Wally, I can't... I actually had to hold myself to stop actually peeing. I said, Wally, just go away. I mean, lads, it was the funniest experience of my life on a golf course, and it was stateside. Thanks, Thanks guys. <laughs> When Wayne Zinger came to Old Head first, um, I was asked to carry for him and uh, did carry for him for, I think, about two seasons until I became a starter. 
And uh, on the next occasion that he arrived, he came to me and he says, Paddy, he says, can you take a few hours off tomorrow? I said, Mr. H, what, what do you mean? Well, Paddy said, I'd like you to have a ride on my helicopter. He said, if you ask Danny to have someone stand in, and um, I'd like you to go to my helicopter pilot at around 12 o'clock. I said, okay, thank you very much. So the following day, I headed off at 12 o'clock. Mr. H was teeing off and uh, went to the helipad and the pilots welcomed me on board. And just the two of us headed off up over the first green, across the, the sixth, over the, the old lighthouse, and down over the Sovereign Rocks, down over East Cork, back around over Cork City, down West Cork, down to Bandon, over to Court Mark Sherry. And um, we skimmed over the Court Mark Sherry Bay along the way towards the Old Head. And um, we rounded the lighthouse, the Old Head, and um, as we moved along, there was Mr. H and Dan Marino and his friends waving up at us. So it was it was a fantastic treat from from Mr. H. He was uh, he was an amazing he was an amazing man. Um, he was indeed. You know, myself and Jerry became very good friends of his, and we we ended up joining. He, he invited us to join the Floridian, which. We joined for 10 years, but he, he he kind of, he was a workaholic. He was the only man who ever started five New York Stock Exchange companies. And the Floridian had five tea boxes and each were had a, an emblem of the team, the sports team that he owned. I mean, it was an extraordinary, he was an amazing man, but he used to, he shipped his cop, choppers over here and he ended That's up right. doing uh, 42 golf trips in 10 years. Yeah. And he would bring in Dan Marino, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Michael Douglas, Rush Limbach, Dan Quayle. It was an extraordinary journey. And I think, Senan, you were on, you, you were his man. Yourself and Peter looked after the group. And uh, they traveled around the country. And, and there's more Miami Dolphins footballs and helmets in every clubhouse. Uh, my my favorite story, one of my favorite stories, with one 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 time we were in Waterville and he sent a, a helicopter to Lee to pick up a guitar for Peter to play. Uh, but the other one was we we were in the Port Barney Hotel in Golf Links and Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones were on the trip, and so we put Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones in under under fictitious names because you know they're a different level altogether in terms of attracting attention. So we're all in the in the cordoned off bar at the back. And Peter's in there and we're getting all ready to go to the Abbey Tavern for dinner. And Dan Quayle walks in and he goes, uh, Peter, Peter, I, I can't find my golf shoes, you see. And Peter is about to start fussing about the vice president's golf shoes. And Wayne turns around and he goes, VP? He said, what the fuck did I say getting off the jet? I said, everybody check their travel coverage. You won't see it again till we leave. That's where your golf shoes are. Now you're cheapskate. He said, in the old days, you could have sent one of your lackeys off to get them. Go down to the golf shop and buy a pair. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he was a—he uh, he was an extraordinary man. He—he—he he, he shared he shared his uh, his gift with everybody. Really, entertainment, oh, you know, yeah. the helicopters. He used yeah. to fly. You know, all the people that he met it was amazing. <clears throat> the game actually tortured him. Jerry used to give him a few tips, but he—he yeah. he was very frustrated by the game of golf. I think that's yeah. why he ended up selling the Floridian. He just. Yeah. He, he couldn't get it around to, to a level so, which satisfied him, you know. Actually, the best way in his English story I know is down in the Butler Arms. He ended up settling in the old Butler Arms Hotel and he had a suite upstairs with a balcony overlooking the ocean. He fell in love with Waterville in the Butler Arms. And um, he's in the bar one night in the piano bar. Peter's playing the piano and the whole thing song is going on. Peter Huggard used to have Wayne's Corner in the corner and even a sign there, Wayne's Corner. Yeah. And it was a gentleman came up from Cork. He was a pickle salesman. He had a house, holiday home in Waterville. And he was singing these amazing soprano songs, really deep baritone voice. Yeah. And Wayne oh, struck really, up a relationship with him. His name was John McQuinney. And John right, McQuinney John. ended up coming out to sing the national anthem uh, at Miami Stadium, in, uh, where, where he owned the Dolphins and he owned the stadium. And John went back and forth on many occasions uh, and sang... 
uh, in, at one stage he called up Aretha Franklin and said, look, Aretha, sorry, I've got a friend of mine from Ireland that's going to sing it this time. <laughs> and uh, he, 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 you know, he made dreams happen for people. He certainly made dreams happen oh, yeah. for myself and Gary. We went on a journey that was indescribable, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember him, Senan, don't you? Yeah, I um, very much late in, 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 his, in his trips over here, Marty, I was, I was around, you know, the, the helicopters would take off an old head. And uh, if there was fog or something around Killarney, you'd have to touch down in Cork Golf Club and we'd scoot down there to the, the choppers and pick them up off of that. And uh, one of the humbling things that I've seen one time was Dan Marino above in the bar in Lynch. And we take it for granted, you know, you've got the, you've got the scenic, the beauty at, at Old Head. If you're in Lynch, the Cliffs of Over just up the road is the most visited attraction in the island. It's next door to Lynch. So, and you're up in Port Rush, and you're five minutes away from the Giants Causeway. And uh, I saw a very humbling thing one day in the bar in Lynch where Dan Marino was there. And uh, there was a, a, one of the, 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 the ladies in the restaurant were chatting away. They chat to everybody. And uh, she was looking up at this guy here, talking away. Did you have a good day out there today? And what's your name? She said, ma'am, my name's Dan. Well, Dan, I hope you enjoyed your day today. And things like that must be very humbling for these people. Yeah. They can't go anywhere when they're at home uh, for, for the fear of being noticed or pestered and for things like that. To go into these places and play these courses and people just, and we are famed for that as well. We tend to leave uh, people alone. And I, I remember I was traveling with, uh, with probably an A-list actor and, um, you know, you think people wouldn't recognize them, but they get off the bus there, maybe they go in the gas station for a, for a comfort stop and people start to look at them and take notice of them. And American football coaches as well, you know, you just treat everybody the same, but it's only when you see them being recognized by people from America in Ireland that you realize that these guys carry some weight. But the whole experience with them is humbling. And what we do naturally, we turn up, we look after them, we were naturally a race of people that want to look after you. And we just do it naturally. And we're quite often left scratching our heads going, just where we didn't do anything special for anybody. But yet they've gone back home and they come back. And as Marty said with, with Mr. Heisenga, he reappeared, you know, 40 times in 10 years. And uh, it's it's what we can provide the stuff that we don't even know we're pro providing. That's a fair point, Sen. And, and that's actually proved even by, by Irish when we emigrate. I mean, it's not a coincidence. It's not all Irish bar owners that want to hire Irish bartenders. It's the Americans as well, because we have, it just comes naturally. Yeah, and absolutely. we don't get overwhelmed by meeting people. We just talk to them as if me and you are having a chat. And we're, do the best that you can for them. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely, other, yeah. other people, they get excited at the start and, and they don't want that. All they want is, is this. Just normal I think, conversation. I think you're spot on, dude. You're spot on because I think I think they're not used to it. They're, people look up to them and they yeah. treat them. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, in fact, sometimes it works the other way. You can you you nearly kind of give them an extra bit of stick. Send them yeah, one exactly. Quick story exactly. Yeah. That's what they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll give them and a hard time. And if you can't, can't tell them one time at the airport, we're waiting for a for a VIP group to come through, and I was on tender hooks. <laughs> this guy was very important, coming in private, and your man arrives through anyway. And he's a big grumpy head in him. And, 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 and it goes, smile, you're on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> That's the job. <laughs> and your man's face, <laughs> face dropped. <laughs> yeah, his face dropped. Yeah, it, but you, you, just want, you just want them to just embrace what, what they're going to experience too, you know. And, you know, you come across the funny stories and uh, John, John mentioned a guy there by the name of Wally. And I had a Wally myself one time for a week, thanks to <laughs> car golf travel. This will not make the, the podcast. I had a chap called Wally, and, and Wally just got overwhelmed. And we've all seen it, lads. They get overwhelmed. They'll, they'll, you know, indulge to the excess, be it even golf, double rounds of golf, you know, day after day. And then all of a sudden, they're wondering why they stopped enjoying themselves. They've missed their breakfast. Their lunchtime is on the course. <laughs> their dinner's on the bus. Yeah, I picked up some snacks and beers for them and dinners on the bus. And two days into it, they're going, just this isn't fun anymore. Or you can see the color draining from their faces. And I had this Wally one time, drank like he never drank, golfed like he never golfed. And he arrived up to the first tee box in Tralee. And John was on that morning. And you couldn't make this up. It was like I had seen into a crystal, crystal ball. I was down with Wally at the first tee box and he had gone green. 
And I said, Wally, there's a five-stroke penalty if you shit yourself on the course. Right? <laughs> oh, okay, said him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no problem. See you later. So I went away about my business. We normally pop back into Tralee, stock up on the beverages and the ice. It depends where we're going. Most sometimes we're heading across the Shannon into Doombeg and the Hinge. Um, if we're heading back to Killarney, we'll just top up things. But uh, if we're moving on, we'll, we'll pop into Tralink and, and stock up. And I came back probably about three quarters of the way through the, the round. Um, one of the lads upstairs in Tralee, I don't know, was it Mark or one of the lads? Because he said, um, one of your lads shed himself on the course today. <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh, Jesus, I said, yeah, this can't be right at all. Went into the locker room and there was a smell of death in the locker room. Oh. And then I met, I think I met you, John, and Jude John said to me, Jesus, it wasn't good out there at all. He fell in the bunker and shit himself. That's right. <laughs> Remember, John, do you? Yeah. His name, his name the, 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 the smell Jesus. in the locker room that day. It was violent. I was <laughs> Never forget us. It was un- <laughs> it was just absolutely horrible. I had to break up two or three malt and brown candles. And he had to go and buy a new a new change of clothes in the pro shop. And uh, I said to myself, Jesus, I actually said to him at the start. And then I couldn't but say to him when I got talking to him, I says, Well, how did that five shot penalty go for you, Wally? What happens to them saying I think as we get as regards the uh, the doing it in the wrong place, doing it in the wrong place at the wrong time is to come over here and they don't actually drink Guinness in America. <laughs> but when they get here, they decide I'm going to drink Guinness, <laughs> and it's a different animal. It doesn't do what it says on the tin. Do you understand? Yeah. That's what yeah, happens yeah. to them. God love them. Yeah. Yeah. We all know what it feels yeah. like when the Guinness thing is on the move. You've got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Well, he fell. He had the poor chap no, fell. No, okay got... for another hour. And last an hour. No, not happening. Yeah. John's, John's having a good laugh at that because he remembers that smell. I know. That was just death personified. <laughs> And he said, sometimes they get very excited even before they, they arrive. You know what I mean? I'm sure you've seen them arrive in fairly hot, but I had a, we had a four ball one time. You, you were probably involved in it. And this group of four people, and they were in Kennedy, and they were giving it a good lash. I think they might have played golf that day at their own club. Yes. I, and yeah, they, yeah. they gave it a good lash. They went to the airport anyway. And one of the lads, uh, they checked in, and they were in the lounge. And one of the lads went out for a smoke. And he went out through security. And um, anyway, they read, Fair enough, they're all on the plane, they're flying business class, they get up in the morning, they go to Dublin Airport. Oh, everybody's ready, they got their bags and they see their, their buddy's bag going round and round the carousel. Yes. He didn't make the flight, he went out for, for a smoke, but he left his passport in his jacket pocket on the back of the chair in the lounge. So it actually travelled the whole way over without him and didn't even notice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that particular gentleman had to spend the night in New York. He wasn't. He was from somewhere out west, and he had to spend uh, his overnight in New York because of that. Yes. And he went out and he overindulged in New York, and he missed that flight again, Marty. <laughs> and his phone disappeared this time. Uh, but they do, they do, they just lose the run of themselves totally, you know. You you mentioned the early tea times, the seven thirty tea times, Marty. You you mentioned about Gavin Fazio uh, missed the tea time one time. Yeah, I mean, look, we've we've had a number of instances whereby a lot of, a lot of funny stories like the lads um, and uh, Gavin Fazio. We have an award uh, in the Father and Son uh, called the Gavin Fazio Award. It's the all-time sleep it in for a tea time. He slept it in for a two thirty p.m. tea time. <laughs> um, how we don't know. The problem is, is if you have a really late tea time, you tend to give it a bit of a lash the night before. Uh, and if you have an early tea, t- if you play early, then you're in the bar too early. So they they they, they ultimately can't win either way. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, no, I, I mean I think I think you know it, it, it's great. So so refreshing to have the conversation because it just reinforces the fact that you know these guys get on the plane, and I know you know that that my colleagues here spend a lot of time up to a year in advance planning the trip and. You know, they're, 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 the clients are calling in, you know, maybe once a week, what's the weather like, and they develop a relationship. And then the excitement builds that the trip is, uh, is, is, is approaching. Uh, and, then, and then they arrive, and then Senan meets them at the airport and the beginning of that journey and that relationship. And then, you know, the hotels, you know, we get them in and out. And then every time they go to the golf course, they meet a John or a Paddy. 
and then they get introduced to their caddy and they have a relationship there and then they come back and send and guess them on the and then they end up going out for dinner and they end up you know being looked after by by Dooley and like that's that's the most incredible vibrancy of of the industry that we're all involved in that we're all touching these people we're all having a massive influence on their experience and um, ultimately i think that's the usp that's the unique selling proposition of ireland is you know you could always have the debate all day long whether golf in scotland or ireland is better i mean you could put turnbury up against port marnock or muirfield up against port rush and you could debate till the cows come home but once the debate leaves the golf course there's no contest when it comes to tourism the south of ireland have got it nailed your move Stephen. you how long are you down there two is it two years um, a year and a half. That's right. Yeah, because I remember meeting you below in uh, below in, no, in yeah. Quail Valley in uh, with, uh, when when uh, when Marty invited me down there down there. So and you were going to New York. You were, that when you, you, that when you stole Larry Foley's room, was it? Uh, that was very funny. That's a good story, guys. By the way, uh, I go uh, on. Yeah, tell it, go on, uh, go on. So so. Uh, I was going over, to, over going over to America, and Mar- Marty says, "I'm there at the same time." He says, "Why did you come come to Quail Valley?" I'm, I'm very friendly with, uh, with Kevin Quigley. He was president of the medalist. So I was playing the medalist anyway. So I, I brought a friend, as you do. I said, well, I want to go, go on my own. So I called Marty. I said, Marty, I'm bringing a friend of mine with me, Ted Foley. Oh, okay, Dooley. That's really no problem, Dooley. And I knew by his wife, Marty's going, oh, what is this for the ass? But anyway, we arrived uh, and uh, we, we, uh, my buddy's name is Ted Foley. So... We arrive in Quail Valley and, and what a complex I mean. I mean, Kevin, Kevin, the guy who runs it, what a gentleman. But if these lodgings down on the water overlooking the bay and it's point, off, the point. Off, stunning. Stunning. Off the charts. So uh, uh, the keys are left outside. We're going up and this, this. I actually took a video of the whole thing. I have this lovely big bedroom overlooking the water. Anyway, Stephen was, Stephen was on the same trip. We get this boat over to this other resort. The rover, the Irish rover. The Irish rover. So anyway, on the way over, was, on the way back, we're singing songs, and we're, we were, we were a nice bit in us now. Stephen has a guitar out. Oh, we have a video. That, it's unbelievable. So uh, we're on the third floor. So there's two elevators, one one side of the building and one the other side of the building. So I go up in an elevator with Ted and Marty. And uh, who are you sharing a room with, Marty? I can't remember. Hey, Steve, were I, you in my room, were you? Uh, was, I was, yeah. It was yeah. Marty and Stephen. I think Machinella might have been there. Who else? Yeah, Dan, yeah. Dan Robertson. Dan. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we get to the top floor and I'm walking across t- towards this two-bedroom suite and Marty's coming towards me. And uh, Marty says, what are you doing here? He says, I'm standing there. How did you get that room? <laughs> he says to me. And the reason I got the room is because it was under Foley. And the thought it was Larry Foley. It was Ted Foley. Poor Larry Foley was downstairs <laughs> in the normal room. It was a disaster. It was the funniest thing ever. But anyway, next morning we arrive at the golf club. The first person I tell the story to is Kevin. Is that right, Marley? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. Ted Foley. Ted Foley arrived and he had a bad back. He was falling. He, might, he was giving out liards oh. about his bad back. Or his knee or something like that. So I said, "Look, we're only here for a bit of crack. Uh, why don't you pick, 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 pick the best tee shot of your group and just play in from there?" Because he was moaning about the fact that he couldn't hit it off the tee. Anyway, we're doing the prize giving, and Ted gets up to to make the uh, the uh, the acceptance speech, having won by six shots as he's bundling no. up all the cash from the middle of the table. Hold on a second. No, hold on a second. What gets me about this, Stephen was there for this, guys. This is true, right? There's a par three, 215 yards. We're playing skins, 20 euro dollar skins. Okay. The guy Ted's playing with plays off two or three, was it? Was that his handicap? Yes. He's a great golfer. And Ted wouldn't hit snow off a rope, right? Okay. So your man hits it into four feet. Okay. The pro misses, your man misses the putt and Ted rolls it in, puts himself down for a body and takes the skins 180 you. I said, Lads, this is all wrong. This is wrong on all levels. Anyway, anyway go on. Same as thing as stealing off people. He took the dough too. He did. I must tell Ted fully what you said about him. <laughs> Paddy. Like I've been down to uh, Quail Valley as well and the point as well, David. 
and it, it goes to show you the connections that you can make with, a, with, with, oh. with people, like with Kevin Given there. The setup that Kevin yeah. has is just off the charts. I went down to visit Kevin and I walked into the reception over at the point and I was looking, there was, a, there was an auction on, I think, one or two days later. And I was looking at the stuff around in Kevin's. And next thing I heard this voice, send in. And I, now I only had turned up in Vero Beach and I walked into this place and I heard somebody call my name. And I turned around and it was a husband and wife that I'd driven on vacation in Ireland. And um, the gentleman himself was, was a former MBA um, coach and accommodating for HBO. And uh, myself and Kevin were invited up to Orlando later that week for uh, Orlando Magic game. You know, it's, it's, it's great to hear you were out there yeah. too, Dave, and I was out there with Mark too. But the, the likes of the connections that you do make, and this is the follow-on from what we do back home, and this is what this what ultimately happens. And I had another uh, example of a trip um, for Marty with a group of guys over the West Coast, South Coast, up the West, and you just do the simple things. And we went up to Doolin there one night, up early, bite to eat, and away home early. The lads, there were no spring chickens. And just the, the gratitude of the stuff that, you know, the, the, for the simple stuff that you do. And uh, up to see some traditional music. And just the, the instruments, Doolin is famous for it. It's 15 minutes up the road. You take them back down. And about six months later, you realise how much of an effect you've had on these people, where you end up, out in Vancouver, British Columbia, out for a visit to meet them and, and return some of the hospitality that you showed them when, when they visited you. It's, it's reciprocal. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's a very small, tight-knit family. It's like Paddy knowing somebody that you knew, Dave, and Stephen knowing the barman that you knew. And, yeah. and I walk into a clubhouse in, in Vero Beach and somebody spots me and calls out my name. It's a global, global thing, but it's a very, very small family. To talk about hospitality in, in Kerry, the, um, I went on one of my many holidays to Kerry. People laugh, laugh about it when, um, when I tell them, where did you go? When they ask me, where did you, where did you go on holidays? Well, I went to, to Waterville or to Dingle. But uh, the first time I met Dave Farrell, we, um, we, you remember this, Dave? We, uh, we, we went on one of our many holidays down to Waterville. Yeah. And uh, we were going playing golf the following morning against I, I said, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. Yeah. But we went down and uh the first man I met when we when we went down was Mike Mike Murphy. He's the manager down yeah. there now, he's after taking over from Noel Cronin. But uh Mike said we we had a little bit to catch up and so we went into one of the pubs and uh, we spent a few many hours few many I'd say too many hours in there, but uh, we were we forgot that we'd eaten. But uh, we arrived. He he delivered us in to Dave Farrell, and you fed us. Do you remember you steak and seafood and pints of Guinness and Jesus, because uh, yeah. you put on a massive feast for us. But great, great, great for instance. Yeah, it's still hanging up behind the bar to check. Don't worry about that one. I'll take care uh, of that. I know cash. It's still no cash on me. It's beside Marty's one, John. <laughs> <laughs> Marty might pay for it now after this. <laughs> you should have caught. You should have caught me this time last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give us a quick John O'Connor story there. I have another one well, as well on John O'Connor. Oh yeah. I'll wait, give you. Yeah, perfect, I'll give. I'll give you a funny one first on John. Um, as you know, John was partial to a drop of uh, Mac and Rooney. Um, but Paddy, Paddy, just, 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 just to give a background, John O'Connor was the, was the, the, the visionary behind the old heads. When he, when he bought the land and he started talking about a golf course and he talked to everybody, everybody thought he was mad, right? They thought he was off his head. But he pursued us, and it was, it was his vision completely, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There he is. But, yeah, but um, one day I was down at the the first tee and um, I saw John approaching came around the bend up by the halfway hut and the cigar stretched up in the air and ah, the, the walk wasn't fantastic. The gate was a bit a bit scattered. So I knew that um, he had had the, the few um, drops of wine. So I was ready for him anyway. He, he came down and um, he proceeded to berate me over the condition of the, the first tea. Why aren't you picking up those fucking cigarette butts? Those old dirty scuff marks around the place. What are you doing here? So he, I said, um, 
Look, I never worked with the caddies. I'm not, am I the fucking caddies? You should be doing this. So I I decided I might have to get him off this train of thought. So um, I said, by the way, Mr. O'Connor, I read an article in the Irish Times last week about two botanists that had visited the country. John was very, very big into his flowers and shrubs. He was fantastic in that respect. Um, he says, bring him down, get him down here. I can't, Mr. O'Connor. Why the fuck can't you? I said, Mr. O'Connor, they're dead. Oh, fuck a man, oh, fuck it used to be if they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, John, he was was a beauty. A John was a fantastic visionary. I could tell many, many stories, but I think that's, that's enough for today. For that me. sums it up, I think. Yeah, Dooley, did you have one, Dooley? Well, I just want to say something on about about John O'Connor. One thing is my first time meeting him, but I leave that till the very end. What I'd say is what he has done for Waterville, being from the area, being from Banlis Gallags. It was it was John O'Connor who brought Brian Marcel to Waterville to show him the property called Skelligs Bay. John didn't live to see what what. Brian Marcel and Tony actually did by 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 making it hog's head and making it development the development that it is today. But it was John O'Connor's visionary yet again at that property which was Skellig's Bay. He knew what it could become. And that's and, correct. And, if I could. and and that's why Waterville at the moment. And I'm very lucky, my family's very lucky, and the people of South Kerry are very lucky that we had the John O'Connor. Because now we have a Waterville Golf Links and we got a hogshead within two miles of each other in this beautiful, beautiful waterfront location in South Kerry. He was, he was a great man, God rest his soul. Oh, my dad, J, JB, JB actually became very close to him as well. He said he, JB used to say he was a very shy man. I mean, like, he could definitely rub you the wrong way if you met him first. You could certainly, as you say, Paddy, he was an acquired taste. But for the people that did get to know him, um, they, they, they became very close. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 one other thing about him, Paddy, uh, as regards his staff, if you worked for that man for a period of time, and I know Fiona, I met Fiona over in Quinta with Johnny Dwyer. I've now got to know her in Hogshead. Any mm. staff that trained under him are proper. Yeah. They're yeah. proper in the hospitality sector. They're professional. Their meet and greet is outstanding. I mean, they're really... I mean... It, it, it should be a school up there on on actually how to train staff. The old head, in my in my in my opinion, it's fantastic. Anyone who comes out of it, that's nice to hear that. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Fraternity of Golf podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to all our guests. Can't wait to see us all over in Ireland soon. We'll be back with another episode of the Fraternity of Golf podcast. Cheers. <laughs>